Welcome to the Diligent Woman Podcast, where Christian women let go of their guilt and step out in confidence by bringing God into every part of the day, learning by examples in scripture, applying simple principles, and trusting the Lord with it all. I am Angela Legg of thediligentwoman.com, and I welcome you to grow in grace and truth one step at a time. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Diligent Woman podcast. I'm Angela, the Diligent Woman from thediligentwoman.com. Here today to share a little bit of encouragement as you go about walking day by day, working to be more diligent as you serve the Lord in all the things that you do. So let's get started today. We've spent a lot of time over the last few episodes um, talking about ways the Bible can be used as our daily textbook, if you will, for everything that we need to do. How it functions as a a textbook full of wisdom. And we've looked at how it can be a textbook for women. Study it from that perspective. Um, Just as a woman working to be obedient to the Lord, what can you learn from what God's given you in the word that he's provided? And we've looked at it for parenting, and um, and for other things. So for those topics, go back and check out those episodes. But in this one, I wanted to look at our attitudes about money and what the Bible has to teach us about money. Because here again is another topic that all you got to do is just either do a Google search or pick a bookstore, any bookstore, website, Amazon, any of those, and Google or search for books on how to manage your money. There are all kinds of thoughts for how to do that. Lots of, um, you know, processes you can go through. Uh, we've taken courses. Dave Ramsey has books and, and guides and apps and things that you can use. Other people all have these, these ways to help you to learn to manage your money. But one thing that I have realized is that learning to manage your money has to start with your attitude about money. And as a Christian, we need to make sure that our attitude about money is correct, right? And one of the things that the world gets wrong whenever it is, generally, it's, you know, kind of trying to be funny, but the world likes to say that money is the root of all evil. But scripture doesn't actually say that. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money. Greed is at the bottom of so many things that we get into trouble with. And the loving money, which would go along with putting your faith in it, is gets to the root of things that get in the way of doing what God wants you to do. Think about how many parables have to do with money. The point of the parable, Jesus isn't using it to teach a money lesson. He assumes that the listener understands the money lesson, but he uses what they know about money and how you should handle money, and he applies it to a spiritual attitude. For example, in Matthew 25, you have what's sometimes called the parable of the talents. It's the profitable and unprofitable servants, um, where you have a landowner who goes away and he gives charge of some of his funds to some of his servants. To one of them he gives 10, to one of them he gives 5, 
one of them he gives one, right? So he's, but he tells all of them to bring him a prophet, to make that grow. While he's gone, do something with it. He doesn't trust them all with the same amount, but he has the same expectation from them. And then over in the book of Luke, and we have the parable of the minas in Luke 19, which is very similar, except there are 10 servants and each servant only gets one. And different servants get a different return on their one mina. And what we see is God expecting that when you're given talents, he expects you to use them to his glory to get a benefit from them is is the goal. You're supposed to grow with what God has given you. You're not supposed to be stagnant. And in both of those parables, the end result is the person who just held on to their money and it didn't grow interest in the bank. They just buried it, basically. <laughs> you know, bury, either buried it in a hole or they hid it because they were afraid that if they lost it, then the the homeowner would be upset with them. Well, it turns out that when the landowner returns, when the master returns, he was upset because they did nothing. And so while that gives us a very interesting and deep spiritual perspective on how do I turn the blessings of my life into a spiritual return for the Lord, how do I do that? But if we go and look at what is a given because like with parenting god speaks in givens about money he assumes that you understand some things about money and one of those concepts is that god understands and expects that you understand that money is a tool that is meant to grow and bring more it's also true that not everybody always has the same amount and god never actually says that that's a problem it's just you don't want anybody to go without. You don't want someone to go hungry. So those who have more should be doing what they can for those who have less. But each person should be doing to their ability what they can to take care of their needs so that they can help others. We're given that um, uh, teaching over in the book First Thessalonians. So how do we get the proper attitude about money before we even start to create how we go about budgeting our money. I think we all understand the idea of first fruits. God establishes that very well in the Old Testament with Israel and that you should give to God before you give to anything else. He doesn't make that requirement under the new law. What he tells you in the new law is to give as your heart wants to. Give as you prosper in frequency when there's a need but it needs to be something that you want to give, not something that's done out of compulsion over in uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So he makes, he gives us a little bit of information, but it's not even as specific as it is in the old law with Israel. Israel not only gave a tenth of everything that they, that they had, they gave so much more. When you add in the value of all of the sacrifices, the land exchanges, the food that they had to bring in, the provision they made for the Levites, the provision that the king eventually would bring from them, it was far more than 10% of their income being given to the support and function of the nation of Israel. And God told them how to do that, what he expected of them 
to, to do that. He always wanted them to want to, to see this as a benefit because God said so. But now when we're on this side of the cross, how do we go about making sure that our attitude about money is right? We've talked before about the woman in Proverbs 31 and how sometimes she really becomes a stumbling block for some of us because it just seems like we can't be her. Uh, she's too much. Uh, she's got too many things going on that we can't achieve that. And we kind of miss, miss the point is that this was a woman who was willing to do what needed to be done to accomplish what was in front of her, what was hers to do. What was necessary to take care of what responsibilities fell before her. And one of those was she did find a lot of ways to bring in money. In no way do we get an indication that that money was a hardship for her. It was a benefit. It did what it needed to do. She was able to buy land, create a vineyard, create a profit, sell a product, and then make the money off of that. And then she was able to make other products and sell them and take the profit to then turn that into something else. These are all good things. Abraham was a very wealthy man. Lots of cattle, lots of people under his charge. So much so that when his nephew had a lot of people, they got to be too numerous for a land to maintain them. The water in the area was not enough. There were so many people and animals between these two men. They had to go their separate ways just so they wouldn't stress the land. There's a lesson, right? That's a money lesson. That's a honoring the creation lesson. It is being a good steward lesson. What good is the land going to do if you strip it where it has nothing left to give? We have to, we have to do good things for that. So money is not really the problem. It's how we look at money. And so one of the things that I, I believe the Bible teaches us and that we, out of a lack of either knowledge or practice, we've, we don't know how to go to the scriptures and let it guide us so that we can make those decisions. It's so easy to go to a money guru, to go to somebody who can just tell you, do this with your money. You pick the one who uses a method that you care for, that you believe works, and you do that. You can follow Dave Ramsey. I can't think of anybody. The other names of people. There's there's hundreds of them. You pick your method and you follow their method. And if you believe in it, it'll help you. But you let them tell you all the things to do. But that doesn't get at your heart and your attitude about the money that you're managing. The money that's been brought in. Um, how you feel about that. And how you are using it to the glory of the Lord. And if we can go back and use our Bible study skills. I believe that we can alleviate so much of the anxiety and the guilt that we carry because of money that we just need to dig in and do the work because God's word always has the answer to show us the right way. And there are, oh, I lost track when last time I did I pulled a study together on on money, it was over 70 verses total, 70 or 80 verses. And that's just what I could think of in what I was going to look for as far as topics and themes. And that didn't include in either one of the, of the parables that we just mentioned. I didn't put those into the study as a look at what God tells us specifically about money. 
but we could because he talks about money and the use of it in a way that brings a profit and he's not condemning it he's actually encouraging it requiring it that there be a profit made from what that you're whatever you're blessed with that it should bring more but there's more than that that the scriptures cover did you know that you can find scriptures that lend to what is a godly purpose for your money what are you supposed to use your money for shouldn't that be the first thing that we think about what do i need money to do and then how do i count the cost how do i make sure that i'm using my money and my resources wisely how do i do that well there's verses for that too what about a work ethic which is the means by which that money comes in how do i apply myself so that money will come in because guess what if we're lazy and don't put in the work there's not going to be any money to come in and so we're not giving god the glory with our function the way we behave nor are we giving him glory with the way we use money because we're not having any we can't bless someone else if we're not bringing anything in so a work ethic that is lacking affects our attitude about money it affects the way we work with money for the lord or not for him um he's, there's lots you just read through proverbs there's so many verses that are really about business dealings how to have a true weight right if you're going to have if you're going to be measuring and to not cheat people and how to deal with others not to get into debt not to carry the debt of someone else lots of things um that just falls into either business dealings or borrowing or lending proverbs is full of these things we just have to go look for them we like to you know repeat all of the quotes that the world has given us right neither a borrower nor a lender be right we'll take that which that's probably something i would guess from benjamin franklin that he got because he heard it based on scripture he liked to do that he liked to put a lot of the ideas that scripture put into nice little easy to repeat sayings and god does give us that concept but he doesn't actually say it that way but he does tell us that we need to be careful about how we borrow money um, and how how much debt we have because if we take on that debt we have an obligation and that's a promise and god expects us to keep our promises so we shouldn't be extending ourselves to a point where we can't keep our promises. And for Israel, part of their promises was to have an inheritance to hand down to the next generation. Well, if you're so far in debt that it eats up all of the, the inheritance and there's nothing to hand down, you've broken a promise that God commanded. This was something you're supposed to do. Well, you can't have that so tied up in debt because of your poor choices. You can't do that and be okay. You've got to look to others' needs. You've got to make sure your needs are met. And you have to be responsible with what God's given you. Well, if we have an attitude where we don't ever want to be in a position where we can't help others, it's going to help us to make choices to not get into debt. And boy, does our world want us in debt. Satan wants us in debt. He wants us worried. He wants us buried under a debt. There are so many things that it is. people just think it's a given. Well, you have to have alone for this you have to have a loan for that you can't function if you don't have this the reality is that you don't have to we do have options 
if we are careful with our money, we live below our means, and we save to a purpose rather than just saving to do all the things we want to do, right? We can have a different attitude about that. That's within our, our ability to manage that, and God shows us that. He doesn't demand it of you. You still have free will when it comes to your attitude about your money. But there is a way to look at it. It's not just cold cash that is just a tool. The, the cash is that. But you have to use it. It's a tool in your hands that now has either love or greed or some other driving emotion or thought behind it when you use it. Whether you're going to the grocery store, whether you're putting gas in your car, or whether you're donating it to a charity that needs something. You've now taken the tool and it's become something else. It's become something more because of how you use it. Well, I want to encourage you to dive into God's word and see what he shows you about money. The parables that have to do with money are a great place to start. What's the attitude about the widow woman, one who lost a coin and she spent all of her time looking for it? The lesson spiritually is God's word is a treasure and salvation is something you should search for because you don't want to lose it. But in telling that point, he tells you it should be valuable to you that the money that you have earned, that you take all of it, you don't want to just throw it away. It's something that should be kept and used to the best of your ability. You have other things. Somebody stumbles on a treasure in the, in the field. Some, so they're going to do right. They go buy the field. They dig up the treasure and they preserve that. They've now gained and done that the right way. And they have this treasure, but they're going to go to every extent to make sure that they have that. The point is not focused on the treasure, but it is on seeing its value. What is the value of your paycheck to you? Is it literally just the dollars on the check? Or is it all of the things that you can do with the money that is intended by the dollars on that check? How many people can you help with the funds from a paycheck? How many preachers can you help on a regular basis so that they can go out and be the bearers of the good news to other places? How many young people can you help who are struggling with the money in your check? Have you provided a way for your money to be set aside to be used for those things? Or is it all eaten up with worldly things that get in the way and so now we carry guilt because we haven't made choices? And even when we're making all the right choices, sometimes we carry the guilt because we're still not sure that we're doing the right thing. Well, my friend, God's word is where you're going to find your comfort for that. If you can go to God's word and go, yep, I make sure that my funds are used with a godly purpose. I have counted the cost. I make sure that I've put first things first and I've not put um, doing the things that I want to do over the things that need to be done. There's a proverb that talks about that you need to go take care of your fields before you build your house. That kind of goes against our, our societal concepts. How do you go do that? How do you do anything if you don't have a home? But the point is, what's the point of a home you can't pay for if you have no means of income and no food? 
You can spend all your time and energy building a house, but then you have no means to pay for it. And you have no means to fill your belly because you don't have a field that's producing and bringing an income in. It's first things first. So we need to make sure we have that attitude and God's word can show it to us. And ladies, if we want to learn how to be better stewards with the funds that are ours for the household use, for how to make a home, how do we stretch that dollar to its best use so that it takes care of the children, it takes care of us, takes care of our husbands, gives us what we need, makes us comfortable, but also allows us the time and the means to help others. How do I do that? By applying the same principles to whatever is my responsibility as what God shows us in Scripture. So I want to encourage you to dive in and do that. Um, as always, there is a Scripture writing plan for that. You don't have to use my Scripture writing plan. It's just a tool for you to get in and get started maybe faster. But if you're using your Bible as a textbook, pick it up and open it. And read it with a mind to look for what it is this telling me that could apply about money, about how I use money. You're going to read through a lot of verses. It doesn't really have a whole lot to say about that. Genesis chapter 1, not going to give you a whole lot of information about what to do with your money. <laughs> it's not the context. It's not the topic. It is not even the secondary topic when you're talking about the creation account. But if you jump into the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, where God is giving the law and he is showing the people how to manage the blessings that he's given them, how he expects them to give back to him, how he expects them to take care of other people, how he expects them to make a way to take care of other people. It's a financial concept to tell a man who has a field to leave the corners, the gleanings at the corners, to leave them there for the poor to come pick up. That means you don't take every little ounce of income that you have earned from a field, you share some of it. Designate some of it to share. That's a financial lesson written out just in God giving the law to the people, but it's how to take care of the poor. We can do the same thing by designating a portion of our means to be something that is given to the poor or those in need out of what we bring in. It's not all about putting all of it in my bank account. It's also about having some to help others. Just dive into your Bible and make notes that way. You've got a great big book with lots of verses in it. it could, you could spend many months just on this topic. Every day, just reading through, you'll pick up other things going through that way. But a scripture writing plan helps you to kind of hone in on the theme, give you some ideas of things to search. Use your Bible app or your concordance to search for phrases or words to go even deeper because... The scripture writing plan certainly does not have every scripture that covers this. But you can use that, and there will be a link for that below the episode. But I want to encourage you again. Let God be the expert in your world. All these other people who have all of these plans for how to manage your money, all of them got a start for their idea came from what God showed us. God's the original. God's the source. He is the expert. And then they're all taking what he has shared. And they're just trying to put it into a serviceable form for you. And some of them take it and they want to 
they listen to Satan a little more than they listen to God because they're all about, it's about getting, getting, getting. And they don't worry so much about giving. But then you've got others who they've got the right concepts and that's where you need to be able to discern what's a godly concept and how you manage your money. And it allows you to have the freedom to go make choices that you can be confident in and you don't have to have any guilt about. So let the Bible do all that talking for you. Dive in. You can do that. Take away the guilt. Take away the shame that you feel. Because you can take whatever issues about your money that you have, take them to the Lord, pray about them. When you discover maybe you've been doing something not correctly, pray for forgiveness and talk to God about it. And then use his plan for how to make that better. It's possible. He tells us that we need to, people need to stop being thieves and use their hands, put their heads down, do their work, and use their hands to take care of their own needs so that they can help somebody else. If that's what he's told us to do, it means that we can. We can stop being one way and be another way, even in regards to our money. And sometimes these are habits that have to be worked out backwards. <laughs> we have to stop doing them. But God can give you the way. God can give you a plan and you can trust him. It's not this great unknown that's too hard to figure out. He's given you his word and then on top of that, he's told you, go talk to the older women. Go talk to the elder men. Talk to your brethren. Get insight from them. But go to God's word first. And then encourage one another to do the right thing. So I hope that you'll step out and do that. Check out the scripture writing plan below. Please make sure that you share uh, the podcast with your friends who you think would be interested. And if on the app where you listen to the podcast, if you could leave a review, that would be great. Um, and tell me what you like about the podcast. And I'm always glad to hear from you. You can email me anytime at Angela at thediligentwoman.com. If you have questions, if you have um, something that you would like to talk about, even if you have something that you'd like to hear on the podcast, you're more than welcome to email me and let me know. Again, that's at Angela at thediligentwoman.com. And I'll put down below the episode links to the scripture writing plan and some blog posts to help with your attitudes about money. But my hope is, is that today that you will go out and have abundance in all things, but to do it so far as your soul prospers. Prosper your soul first and let everything else come after. Enjoy. Thanks for joining me today on the Diligent Woman Podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of new episodes and share those with your friends. Until next time, enjoy. Enjoy.